Indiana Runner Podcast, Season 2, Episode 12. I finally get the godfather, Dr. Derek Leininger of Indiana Runner on the podcast. We get some jokes from his daughter before we talk all the happenings of Week 4. Derek reigns just a bit on my Carmel Parade, which some of you will love. And then we talk lessons from his book, Enduring Wisdom, which released about five years ago. All right, cue the Derek Leininger theme music. All right, we got the boss in the uh, in the building. Well, you you and I are in different buildings, Derek. But I got my feet off the desk. I'm buttoned up here. Uh, we had a another exciting week of uh, Indiana high school cross country. Any initial thoughts, Derek? Doctor Leininger, uh, I should say. Yeah, I mean there was some really good racing. Um, you know, the, the big the big meet we'll talk about later. The Eagle Classic down in Brown County. Obviously, some really big uh, runners, some really big teams down there couple of uh, maybe surprises, you might say, or, or really good, really good races between some, you know, podium type teams. But uh, we'll talk about that uh, as we go here. But yeah, it was a really good week of racing. And we've got a, we got a, a good amount to talk about. I set you an outline, a little peek behind the curtain, seeing the Wizard of Oz here. But I got good news for you, Derek. In fact, INCC Stats has updated since I sent you that. I've refreshed it. So we got a little bit extra to talk about. And uh, you got any good jokes for me, Derek? Okay, so I... As it is. I don't have any jokes, but but I have a I have a ten year old daughter um, that has a good joke for you, Colin. So so here come oh, we're right over so we can hear you. If there are two hundred thirty nine bricks in an airplane and one brick fell out, how many bricks are left in the airplane? I would guess two hundred and thirty eight. That is correct. How do you get an elephant in the refrigerator? How do you get an elephant to what? In the refrigerator. My refrigerator ain't that big, so I don't know. Why don't you tell me? You open the door and insert the elephant and close the door. How do you get a giraffe in the refrigerator? I'd imagine the same thing. First, you have to take the elephant out. <laughs> Clearly, man. If all the animals in the animal kingdom went to a party, who would be absent? Nobody, because they all went. The giraffe, because he's still in the refrigerator. <laughs> You you got it. Uh, wants to cross a river where alligators live. Can she cross? Yeah, for sure. Because the alligators are all at the party. Did she cross though? She didn't cross because a brick fell out of the sky and hit her on the head. <laughs> kind of a dark ending to that one. <laughs> you know what though? The best the best jokes are a little dark. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> All right, so hey, let's go through the week, and we can uh, we can kind of go through. This is this is a uh, multi multiple screen experience, Derek. I got a couple of things going on here. INCC stats updated. I got a computer. I got a second computer, and guess what? I'm in Carmel. I got it like that. I got a cell phone as well. Let's start. INCC stats. I got it on the notes. INCC stats is yet to update, but coming soon. And guess what? It's soon, so we can get uh, let you all know how it's going so far. Ben Davis invite center Grove boys dominate 24 points over another potential state meet team, which is Franklin central. Those boys scored 69 points. The center Grove boys without a top score went one, two, three, six, and 12. 
Avon girls, 60 points over Franklin Central girls. Still missing one key girl, but we're getting pretty late in the season, right? I mean, if you're still missing somebody here, probably for a reason. And uh, Sophia Kennedy of Park Tudor, she's good. She's finished in the top five, in fact, fifth two years in a row. She runs 17.42 on a nice but not ideal day. And her teammate, Gretchen Farley, second in 18.12. Any quick thoughts on the Ben Davis invite? Yeah, so Kennedy is an interesting runner. Obviously, she's been very good since her, you know, since her first week of racing. But I felt like this spring she took a huge step with some of her 3,200 times. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see. Now, obviously, we have, you know, Cridge is, is lighting it up and Sutherland is racing really well. Uh, but curious to see kind of where Sophia Kennedy starts to fall in as we get closer to October. Um, you know, can she be one of those uh, a girl that can kind of challenge one of those top two runners? And and an athlete that has run really, really well at the state meet. And we feel like that's important, right? That's repeatable. When you've, when you've done well as a freshman and a sophomore, you, now you're a junior, it feels like you can kind of do the same. If you've done it once, you can do it twice. If you've done it twice, you could do it over and over again. Right. Yeah, I would I would probably put Kennedy number three right now if I were doing like a, a power rankings that I would go Cridge, Sutherland, Kennedy, but although it's probably probably pretty close between two and three, to be honest. But you feel like and we'll get into this, too. You probably feel like number one on the girls side individually, maybe yeah. quite a bit ahead. Yeah, it's I mean, probably probably 30 seconds clear of second place right now from what it from what it looks like. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Bob Thomas invite Northwest Indiana, a little bit closer, always close up there. Uh, Laporte boys, 69 points, 71 for Chesterton crown point at 80 Morgan township at 93 uh, Lake central rather 98. All of those teams feel like likely or possible state meet teams. The Laporte star Cole Raymond is the, uh, uh, four twelve miler. He won in 1623, so kind of take that time for what it's worth. This is one of the best boys in Indiana, and he only ran 1623. Keep that in mind as we talk about the times from a later meet. Uh, the Lake Central girls, 53. They're a likely state meet team. Laporte girls, 82. Chesterton girls, we felt like in the past that they were maybe a state meet team. Uh, well, they're certainly a state meet team, but maybe even a podium team. They were 93 points, and they were fully loaded. What do we make of that? Well, they've, I mean, they've raced really well. Um, I, I think they are, just as in girls, are a podium-level team. You know, they took a big jump last year, winning the semi-state, and then probably didn't have the, the state meet maybe they were hoping for. Um, but I wouldn't take too much out of any one weekend. They've, they've been pretty solid in and out so far. It feels like for, for distance running, you're closer to your best race or your best performance than you are your most recent or your worst performance, right? Would you say that applies to the Chesterton girls here? What do you mean by that? Well, it feels like you, you, got, a, you got a girl, let's say, that runs 18 minutes, and then the next week she runs 19.45. Is she more likely to run 18 minutes at the state meet or 19.45? I would say 18 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah given that scenario, yeah. Right. And that, that's what it feels like for the Chesterton girls. They've been really solid a couple meets. For whatever reason, they were a little off this week, but I'd still give them a better chance to finish on the podium than not based on their previous performances. Yeah. And I, I think too, um, you know, I think teams pick and choose whether it be through tr training or whether it be like, you know, spoken, Hey, we're really getting up for this race. This is, you know, this is the, the regular season meet we're really going for. Um, I don't, I can't speak for, you know, the coaches around at Chesterton, but 
but uh, you know they've looked really strong so far. You know, maybe this was a race where they weren't they weren't focused as much. They maybe they had a heavy training week. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think you're right in terms of if a team or if a, if a runner has been really consistently good, um, and then you have one performance that seems a little off. I, I I mean I don't I think the recent data is probably the best data. But when you have you know multiple data points to say they're they're better than this, that's probably the the truth the truth to it. Interesting on the boys' side there too. So the New Prairie boys, and I'm I just I follow the northern part of the state probably more than I do anything south of, of of you know I'm from Fort Wayne obviously, but the shout New out. Prairie shout outs to Fort Wayne. Um, we still exist, everybody. So New Prairie semi state, there's like there's like seven eight teams that's like yeah on a good day they could win the semi state on a bad day they could go home. Um, you know, so we look at Laporte beating Chesterton by a couple points. You talked about how it's, you know, always seems to be close up there uh, in the region. You know, it's like, are Laporte boys now the, I mean, are they the number one team in the semi-state? And, you know, is Chesterton too? And is, is Valparaiso in there and Crown Point? And, you know, it's just, it's so many teams so close that, uh, you know, I, Laporte boys, are, they're probably number one team in the semi-state right now, at least, just, just with their two-point win over Chesterton. Yeah, I mean, really exciting. It seems like in a lot of the semi-states, there's a kind of a clear runaway winner or that the semi-state round may be not as important for the top teams because they're just looking to advance and get to the state meet. In a new prairie, like you said, not necessarily the same way. You could win or you could finish eighth versus Shelbyville or New Haven where it's like you could win or you might finish second, but you're not too worried about it because you're gearing up for the state meet. That that may be the most, even though, uh, potentially it's the weakest semi-state it might be the most exciting because of that that factor that that the close yeah. the close group of all those all of those teams on the boys side and the girls side although the girls feels like there's maybe two chesterton and valpo that seem kind of ahead of the field right yeah i agree on that but it's interesting like you look at the region year in year out and results at the dac and the results of semi-state don't always align like it's just interesting and, and there's not like a pattern to it i'm not saying you know teams you know, necessarily better here or there, but like you could, like I've seen years where a team has finished sixth in the, in the DAC and then come back and be like second or third in the semi-state. So it's, there's just, there's a lot of really good programs that are pretty close together. Like if you told me you have to pick three teams that you're sure are going to make it, I, I, I know who I would pick, but I would feel a lot more confident picking three teams in any other semi-state um, just based on the fact that there, there's more of a gap from one to six everywhere else, you know, aside from New, New Prairie. It feel, yeah, it feels like there's more locks in other semi-states. If I gave you three locks in New Haven or three locks in Shelbyville, you would be like, boom, 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 you've got them right away. I've got them, yeah. What, what do you make of, you know, if we go back to, to when, when you were in high school or even before that, I mean, you founded Indiana Runner. We're talking 2000, 2001, 2002. And the New Prairie semi-state was maybe the most competitive semi-state, and it's not right now. And we can get into this and kind of the changing demographics, the changing landscape after the break. But what what do you make of that? I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think there were some really good, like historically good coaches um, that were, you know, look at like Mike Pro and and Bill Wilkie, um, you know, like on the boys' side, thinking about, you know, when those, with those guys gone and, that's nothing against current coaches, but like those guys are like kind of legends. Like this, they're hard to replace in terms of like keeping, you know, keeping that level. Like like Portage Boys, and let's get into this for a second, okay? So Portage Boys is probably 
the most underrated boys program historically, except for maybe Anderson, if you look back to like the you know 50s and 60s. Yeah, but if we're going, let's go modern era. You would say Portage let's go boys modern still, era, right? like the past 40 years. Portage boys have been have been really good. So Portage boys are like like Florida State football in the 80s and 90s. Okay, let's make a little football analogy. Like they only won a couple times, but they were top five all the time. Like they were always in the mix. Um, you know, obviously when when Coach Wilkie retired, that that sort of changed. And Portage has had some really good teams since then, but not not as consistently as it was. Like every single year, you would just look at you know Portage boys being either competing or winning because they've won multiple times or being second or third. Um, and they were always just in the mix. So, you know, you, I, I think some of it is, you know, some of those like Karen DeVries on the, you know, the Valpo girls side, although Valpo girls are very good now under coach Arredondo. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think, I think some of those programs have just changed over time. Um, and I think some of, I don't know, I think demographic demographics have certainly increased in the central Indiana in terms of like what makes a powerhouse cross country program. So that's something we can talk about after the break. I mean, you're the doctor, right? Like, Hey, I got to tell you, my arm hurts when I keep doing this. What's your advice for that? Well, I I go amputation pretty quick when it comes to you. Oh man. Derek, I lofted you up a softball there. You got to tell me, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do that. (laughs) I've told you like three times. I'm not looking at the rash. I'm not that kind of doctor. (laughs) Let's uh, speaking of doctors. Let's get into the uh, Wildcat Classic. A little non sequitur there. It was at Indiana Wesleyan University. Excellent course on the campus of of Indiana Wesleyan in Marion, Indiana. The Hamilton Southeastern boys. We may talk about them after the break. They dominate with thirty five points. Westfield boys one hundred and thirteen. Shout out Derek Leininger, school record holder at this uh, institution. Columbia City, 134. It's a school. It's not an institution. I wish people would stop calling it that. It's happened once, Derek, and it was actually <laughs> six seconds ago. So, yeah, if you not, I'll stop. <laughs> and uh, the Penn Boys, 142. So, actually, again, shout out Columbia City. Penn Boys and the usual suspects. In fact, we got their guy, uh, Carter Kayser Soze, one of the usual suspects. But we feel like Penn Boys, often we like to pencil them into the state meet. But uh, not in Penn, but uh, maybe Columbia City boys are right there. Penn, Penn boys, the Kingsmen were missing one of their scores. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up on my phone. Which, which, which is a big deal. Um, they're, they're, not, they're not super deep at kind of that four, five, six spot. I mean, they're, they're very good. But uh, for a team like Penn, you take one guy out and they go from, you know, top five or six in the semifinal to number 10 maybe. So I, that is, that is a big, and that's important detail to say they're missing somebody. If I, if I, I would still say Penn is, is stronger than Columbus city at this time. Um, I got nothing but love for my Eagles, but they're, they're probably somewhere in that eight to 10 range at the semi-state. And uh, I'd say Penn is more like that five to seven time. So uh, I think Penn is still maybe just one level above Columbus city at, at looking at the, those results right there. That sounds right to me. And I'm kind of leafing through the results as we talk about it. So Penn's uh, rating was 343. That's a team rating that's probably not getting you out of the semi-state. And actually Columbia City was 352, but that's it's based on essentially a large meet, more like the semi-state of the state meet. But uh, Columbia City fully loaded at 352. Penn's adjusted rating 290. So that that kind of that meshes with what you were saying. Columbia City more like eight through ten. It takes top six to get out. 
Um, obviously, the addition of the Hamilton Southeastern School District with being HSC and Fishers makes that more difficult. Um, so, so Penn may be more like a fourth, fifth, sixth. Columbia City more like an eight, ten. As it stands right now, yeah. we're six weeks away from the semi-state. Things could change. Um, yeah. On the on the girls' side, Noblesville girls. This is a battle of potential podium teams among the top three. Noblesville girls, fifty-five. Westfield girls are surprise team. I called earlier. I called the Noblesville girls the kind of darling of the Indiana Runner podcast, but Noblesville girls right there as well. Uh, 16 points separated those two teams. The Valparaiso girls, another kind of favorite of our podcast of the Indiana Runner crew. They were at 80, and all those teams kind of seem like in the mix, right? We got two kind of top girls teams, and then Noblesville, Zionsville, North Central, uh, Westfield. They're all kind of in there. Yeah, Yeah, Valpo's in there. Chesterton's in there. Floyd Central's in there. We've seen a lot. It's an exciting year. On the boys' side, it's an exciting year, kind of one through five, one through six. We'll see how Brubuff gets back. On the girls' side, one and two are really good. We'll get into that in, in just a second. But then after that, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, they're all kind of right there. And we'll see how that we'll see how that that meshes in over the next, you know, four, five, six weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Polito with the big win there individually. You know, obviously Addie Wiley is an unbelievable track runner. Um not quite as good in cross country, but still, you know, elite top, a top five type of runner, you know, but for Polizza to beat her by 24 seconds, that's a, that's a huge win for her. Yeah. And I feel like, I, I guess I run the podcast, right? I haven't, maybe we I haven't guess. talked about it enough. I, well, I don't, I don't guess I do run the podcast. I finally got the boss on the line. Uh, but Polizza is, I want to call her an underrated runner, right? We don't talk about her all that much. 1746. Derek, on the India, it's Indiana Wesleyan course is a good course, but it wasn't yeah. like the rest of the field lit it up and they were all right behind her. No. 1746, and she's run a top 25 time in the 800 all time yeah. and close to a top 25 all time, if not in the top 25. I haven't, I haven't checked Mike Slobaugh's list over the last few days. I don't have it committed to memory. I probably should, I suppose. Should. Yeah. But uh, you won't fire me. Um, <laughs> We got we have we have a we have a professional relationship and a personal relationship and the, the latter leads me to believe that you're, you ain't gonna fire me so um, <laughs> I, I just feel like 1746 Derek she's really good she's really good but she's a senior in the wrong year I she's, feel like I just said that but yeah I agree with you Colin <laughs> I yeah. agree with you agreeing with me okay so uh, let's talk for a minute about Addison, Addison Lindsay though let's start in 1830 East Noble she's She's the top freshman girl in Indiana, which is a pretty remarkable title in any given year. Um, I, I would put her on the podium today. Like if State Me were today, I think Addison Lindsay's on there. Podium in top 20. Like, yeah, top 20, right. Sure. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to put pressure on her, but I'm, I, I would imagine she's going to keep improving. It's like I'm curious to see how, like, how good she can be by the end of the season because she's, she's racing every weekend here with some of these great runners. Um, curious to see how the uh, freshman there from East Noble continues to improve. INCC stats is just updated, and you are this. Hey, listen, this is the reason you're Derek Leininger. You're not Mr. Leininger, right? You <laughs> you are the Dr. Pepper to my Mr. Pib. Addison Lindsay, 18th on INCCstats.com right now after it's updated. So yeah, top 20. She's right there. You uh, know what? I, you know what I like is when. You confirm what I say with the statistical website as if it's like surprising. Oh yeah, I guess you're not an idiot. 
Thanks a lot, Colin. That sounds about right. Hey, Derek, you're welcome. Uh, Dr. Leidinger, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I will <laughs> refer to you at, earlier. Again, I got this kind of weird rash on my ankle. If you can check that out next time I see you. I haven't seen you in person for a long time, but uh, yeah, shout out COVID. <laughs> so it, we talked about Addison Wiley, Addie Wiley, second in 1810. She's good, Derek. She's good. She's one of the top runners in the country, and she's, you know, fifth, sixth, ninth. She's ninth right now on INCC stats. Uh, you know, I think splitting time between soccer and cross country is a challenge. Um, if, if I were coaching a kid like that, I would say it's your senior year. You enjoy playing soccer, and you're going to be a distance runner in college. So have fun this year. What, what would you say to that? Yeah, I would say I would say that's a good idea. Like, so – I, I think I think Wiley is probably going to be top five at the state meet. Shout out. So, You're talking about the president of the Addie Wiley fan club. So let me know well, if you want an invitation to our ice cream social. It's coming up. I think I, I work that day. Um, <laughs> you work every day, Derek. I work every day. That's true. So, like, so think about it. If Addie Wiley is top five, which I, I think she will be, um, I think you, you I already talked talk about the top three, I think, are Cridge and Sutherland and Kennedy. Um, what confirmed, we haven't even talked confirmed on, I hate, I hate to interrupt you. You do outrank me here. Confirmed on INCC stats. Those are the Okay, well, I'm <laughs> – okay, but I'm going to go off of INCC stats here. I think then our next group right behind them – Do that are, at your own risk, sir. Are <laughs> Polita and Karina James and Addison Wiley. But what I'm saying is, if that's the next level, and Polizza just beat Wiley by 24 seconds today, then you got to start thinking about, is Wiley more on the back of that front group, or is she leading that second group? That's, that's an interesting conversation. Right. And we're, you know, it feels like I talked to, I went to Brown County today. I talked to a lot of coaches, went out to lunch after late lunch with a, with a few coaches, but most of which coach teach with me. So it, it not a very diverse group in that regard. And it was like echo chamber, I think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, but that's why I brought you on the podcast. This is not an echo chamber. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not afraid to argue with me and stats, which is like do so at your own risk. This is actually numbers, sir. But uh, yeah, it's like we're seven weeks from the state meet, right? And seven weeks can also can be a lot, but it can also be like not very much at all. Seven weeks can go very quickly. And that's, that's interesting for some of these top girls, these top boys to see what are things like in seven weeks? What are things like in seven weeks for the top teams? And that's, you know, Scott, Scott said last week, well, it's, it's a little early to talk about. It's never too early to talk about, but Not for us, yeah, it's, it's, we're, in, we're in the business of producing content. So, yeah. So, so here, here's a thought on that. And I, I have not actively coached for like seven years, so. You know, you maybe maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm uh, a dinosaur. Depending on your, depending on your your uh, definition of actively, how many times did I text you last track season looking for advice? Uh, mul multiple times, but I don't I don't know if any of your guys would call me Coach Leininger though, so I don't think that counts. No, hey, the, the, our guys at Carmel, those boys, they show respect. It's Derek Leininger all the time. Okay, well that's nice. Um, so I lost my train of thought now because I had something really cool to say. Oh, okay. So I haven't coached for several <laughs> years. Cool. What I was going to say was I haven't coached for several years. That's the end of the statement. No. So, but when, when we would have a really good, 
run, those first few weeks, I think about that, you know, that last week of, of August and then Labor Day weekend and this weekend, I mean, there were multiple seasons where it's like, hey, we look, we look really good here, you know, three, four races into the season. Then, and I don't know if this is just me, maybe you can correct me if, if there's something different, but it's like. Don't worry, I will. Okay. It's like, oh, shoot, we only have, we got to keep this thing put together for six weeks. And if something goes wrong in the next week or two, like, let's say one of our top kids goes out with a stress fracture, we're not getting that, that runner back in time. So it's, it's a long time. Like, like you said, it's a long time, but it's not either. It's starting to get you know, over the next two or three weeks. You know, like there's something like think about like teams that maybe have had early season injuries, you know, like in July or August, there's time to get those runners back and get them back in the mix and get a few races in before the tournament. And they can still produce a pretty good, you know, performance at the state meet. If they, if they get injured, you know, a week from now, you better have a pretty good team because they might not be back for sectional or regional. You might have to, you know, be a semi-state state kind of emergency situation. So, you know, some of those teams that look really good, um, you know, I, I think this landscape will certainly change over the next six or seven weeks. We just, it's hard to predict exactly who will rise and who will, who will struggle a little bit. Right. And historically it's like injuries are a factor, right? But we're also adding in the COVID. I mean, COVID, yeah contact tracing all of that in every district every county might have a slightly different idea of what contact tracing is and producing negative test results and all that kind of stuff that yeah you're right so it could be let's talk about that for a second so like i know sure. our, like our, what's that you're the boss we okay, talk about I'm, whatever I'm, you want my man i'm going off script so like in our school district i'm an administrator in fort wayne if we if a, if a student is vaccinated versus not vaccinated the rules are different Correct. Is, Same is at the school the, district where I teach. Okay. So I, I assume that's fairly. Although it's at our district, district, it's an so, honor system. Okay. Um, so it's, it's just interesting. Like maybe, you know, maybe that was more of a, a risk last year in terms of like an entire team getting contact traced out, you know, like in the tournament, maybe that was more of a risk last year than it will be this year based on, you know, availability of, vac of vaccinations and, the different rules that might apply, like if you're exposed, but you're vaccinated and you produce a negative test, you can come back in a couple of days um, or maybe not even be isolated or quarantined at all. Like, I think I think that might not I think that part might not be as much of a concern as maybe it was last year. Yeah. And, and part of it is like this year, if you can, you know, last year, was, if you have if you get tested, it's like a 72 hour window, regardless of result. Right. So yeah. you get tested, you can't come back for 72 hours versus this year. It's like, Hey, you might not feel good. You get a negative result and uh, you, you can come back right away. And I'm sure there are certain people that are, that are doing that at, at the various meets. And of course, if you feel bad enough to get tested, you may not produce or, or perform at your highest level. But yeah, I think that uh, we might've thought, you and I, I remember even thinking in, in May or June last year of 2020, like everything's going to be normal by the start of school. And that clearly wasn't the case. And it's still not normal now. But yeah, I think my, my bold prediction in a text I sent to you early, early, early this year was that COVID may have more of a, of a impact of an impact this year. And uh, we haven't seen that yet, but we're also not in the tournament yet. And yeah, we could we could, we could get there. Let's go through the, the last two meets here, and then we'll get to our break and talk about our last couple of things. All Catholic at Garen. Oh, 
heavy sigh here. Everybody knows I'm a big Garen goon. The Chatard boys, 38. Garen boys, 39. It was a good meet. It was a good meet. Tip of my cap to, to uh, the Chatard boys. Obviously, I'm still a big, big fan of Garen. Meant to go to my guy, Andy Callen's house. He left out a shirt for me. Went to lunch with my guys, Taylor, Marshall, Jason Rigsby, and Chad uh, from North Central. Uh, didn't quite get the shirt, but I, I, I get it. I get it, my guy. Uh, so, yeah, a little, little disappointed, but uh, shout out. Shout out to Chatard. You did a good job. You got us. You got us by one. Can't wait to race you the rest of the year, us being Garen, because I'm a big Garen goon. Max uh, Bourgeois of Chatard, 16.23, over my guy Ethan Hines at Garen, a uh, junior. Max Bourgeois is a – hope I'm saying that right – is a sophomore. Ethan Hines is a junior. 1623 to 1631. And on the girls' side, Chatard girls dominate. Uh, not sure exactly how they factor in to the potential qualifying for the state meet. They had 24 points. Garen girls, shout out. Second was 73. Dwinger girls, I grew up in Fort Wayne. Shout out, 77. Didn't grow up too far away from that high school. I didn't go there. Uh, and then the big, the big story from that meet, Lily Cridge, 1704. Have you seen results from this meet, Derek? I did. Okay, I was gonna have you guess how many minutes she won by. Three and a half minutes. That's uh, I put that in the. Yeah, well, I guess I sent you the rundown, didn't I? Put that in the rundown. Three and a half minute victory. What do you make of Lily Cridge's chances? Kind of more on the national stage. Seventeen oh four, Derek, and it yeah. wasn't. It, it was nice this morning. It was. It was. It was good for late August or early September, mid September, but like. It wasn't ideal. Sometimes we get a 50 degree morning. They shoot the gun off and the coaches are wearing sweatshirts, right? Not today. 1704. Yeah. So here's the, here's the interesting stat on that. So she was only 41 seconds behind the boys winner. So a, a general rule of thumb in cross country, uh, this is at least my general rule of thumb, um, roughly a minute per mile difference between boys and girls when you get when you get to the top end, obviously it's not quite a minute. It's probably more like 40, 45 seconds a mile, but like a 17 minute boy and 20 minute girl are roughly equivalent, probably 20 something actually for a girl to be 17, but, but you get the yeah, idea. Like, there, there's, there's, there's actually a thread on the, the uh, message board about yeah. that. And it, okay. it comes out to about that. You're right. Roughly. Okay. So we're saying roughly a minute, maybe on the top end, it's more like 45 seconds. Okay. She was 40, less than 45 seconds total behind the boys who won this race and these these are good teams like Chatard and, and Garen I mean obviously you're a goon so you know all about this like these are good boys teams and good boys runners yeah and she would have placed really high in the boys race like and both both potential state meet teams I feel like they're a year away right they could both make the state meet next year I'll take your word for it I would know I live in the 317 I got that promotion man moving down south so, yeah, I mean, that's – and we don't know a ton about – I remember talking today after some of the meets that Addie Wiley was ranked 11th on Tully Runners uh, national rankings, but that was more about the track, right? And she's an excellent 800 and 1600 runner. She's also a good cross-country runner. But, like, Lily Cridge was, like, in the 30s, and it's we're trying to kind of handicap where does she rank – among national runners and and we're we're just we are zoned in on indiana right yeah. we are indiana runner we're not united states runner That's but true. 
gosh, it's just hard to think that there's that many, there's that many girls around the country right now that could run with Lily Cridge, 1704. And again, it was a nice day. It was a good day, but it wasn't perfect. Yeah, it's, I, mean, I, I just looked it up just out of curiosity. She would have been eighth in the boys' race today in that same meet. That's, and that's insane. In the girls' race, another half hour later, right? Yeah. So it's, it's got to be a little warmer in that half hour. And I'm, I'm on inccstats.com. And it ranked, it ranked as a negative. So her adjusted time was 16.57. So right now on inccstats.com uh, that, that ranks the runners in a way that we feel pretty confident about, her season-long rating is 16.56. That's yeah. number one all time. And the number two runner, which is Anna Rohrer, you've heard of her, right? Yeah. Yeah, she was a good runner. She's a good distance runner, still is. Um, but but r- removed from high school. Her best season rating, I believe, was 17.24. So we're yeah. looking at nearly 30 seconds better. Well, from a girl that won Footlocker <laughs> twice. Yeah, but that's a little that's a little misleading because uh, you know cross country seasons and courses are different. You look at go back to the track where it's it's a much more controlled environment, and um, you know you think about Roar was under 10. I mean, obviously Cridge was like what 10:03 this spring. 10:03, but it was 90 that day. Okay. It was 90 degrees Fahrenheit. I guess I, it would have been better if it was Celsius. Now. That would have, that would have been probably dangerous for everybody in that case. Um, no, we wouldn't do that. So, but like, but Roar was 956. I mean, Roar was still several seconds faster in what is a more controlled objective environment. So, um, but that's what yeah. INCC stats does, Derek. I mean, they make them more, they make it a more, more so than just average course time. Right. I do understand. So. I understand. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, it's a lot easier to compare a 3,200 10 years later than it is to compare a cross country race 10 years later. Right. Or cross country race from, from week to week. And right. it's, it's like six years later. It's not 10. I made that up, but you get the idea. Yeah. Six sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Tracks but, are a lot more uniform than cross country courses. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think we're seeing a 956 or faster from Cridge this spring. Oh, I, I'm sure we will. I bet we will. Yeah. Although I, I, no, I think, I think your point is valid in that. Yes. She's ahead. I don't know that she's necessarily 30 seconds ahead. Yeah. And Rora was dealing, you know, her time was from her sophomore year where she was kind of finding herself and she was the national champion, not necessarily on September 11th, the way where we are right now, as we record this podcast, but she was the national champion in December and she was kind of improving from week to week Yeah. versus her senior year where she didn't run until the sectional and she kind of jogged through a couple of rounds, kind of getting her sea legs back and yeah. then was, was better later on. That, that makes sense to me. Here we go. Meat of the week. You ready, Derek? Yep. Okay. Another, another heavy sigh, another, another, another defeat for your boy, but, but a good, a good defeat. You're raising the roof. Come on, man. You're my friend. I'm raising the roof because Georgia won in soccer on, on FIFA. Oh, you know it. Columbus North boys averaged 1539. Carmel boys averaged 1544. So five seconds per boy. And I think that the the natural reaction for those really, really in the know would be like, well, Carmel's got a front runner. So their average is going to be lower, of course. It doesn't matter. But the, the, the Carmel number one runner and the Columbus North number one runner were separated by less than a second. So invalid point uh, by this straw man that I just did. Can I, can I, since you coach Carmel, can I offer a suggestion? Uh, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go do nervous, it anyway. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go through. Sure, go ahead. I'm gonna push through your pause there, and I'm gonna go ahead and give it anyways. Okay. <laughs> Tell your boys to run six seconds faster each, and you win the race because you uh, only lost by five seconds each. That's funny that you say that because you know how I am, and you know I looked at that after the race, and it turns out that that did not switch the team score. I mean, it switched the team score, but not enough to overtake Columbus North. So, okay. yes, well, thank you for the suggestion. That is a suggestion. Yeah, it did, I yeah, mean, it, it didn't it'll help be, in that. If you run five to six seconds per pass per person faster, you'll be closer anyway. So I got to tell you, I can't you didn't lose anything. I can't remember how many times I told one of our boys that PR'd by a lot, like, oh, I PR by a minute. It's like, well, if you do that every single race for the rest of the year, you're probably going to run the state meet. And they say, ha, 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 ha. And I say, oh, oh. thank you. Good joke. It's like, it's like that old, would you rather get paid one cent per day and then double it every day? Or would you rather get paid $100 an hour? It's like, it's like well, I take it out long enough and then we're going to be the world record holder here, man. Our coaches actually talked about that. This is great radio. We're racing time, but that's fine. It's, it's, it's our podcast. Who's time have we oh, wasted? What, how quickly could you fill up an Olympic-sized swimming pool by like dropping in a milliliter every second and doubling it? And it was like six minutes or something like that. So uh, anyways, on the boys' side, again, heavy sigh. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to come on my own podcast and take the L. Columbus North boys, 50, 53. Carmel boys, 70, and then to round out the top five, Bloomington North, 133, Zionsville, 136, two potential podium teams, fringe podium teams. I texted Zionsville's coach today. He and I are old fraternity brothers at different times. Uh, we actually lived in the same room in the fraternity house, and my roommate was, was uh, coached by him. Anyways, I was like, in a normal year, man, you guys are a podium team, but this is not a normal year. Uh, so BN 133, Zionsville 136, and then BS being Bloomington South 183. Carmel Jr., Cole Matisson, shout out. Outlast Columbus North senior Reese Kilbarger Stump. Love that guy too. Uh, by just under a second, and both were under 15 minutes. We've had three boys under 15 minutes right now, and another one at exactly 15 minutes. On the girls' side, it was the reverse. Carmel girls 52. Shout out my guy, Taylor Marshall. Uh, Columbus North girls, 59 Floyd central, 111 North central, 131 and a shorthanded Zionsville team, 173. I wouldn't be shocked if those are the top five teams at the state meet. Yeah. I mean, I think Carroll girls are, are better than people think at the moment. That's my Here, Homer. Oh, <laughs> uh, only from Fort Wayne. I have no actual affiliation with Carroll. Yeah, but it's, it's just the Fort Wayne. It's just the Fort Wayne, uh, Fort I mean, draw, right? I've driven Carol, past sometimes. Carol girls in there, Noblesville. There's a lot of teams in there, but it wouldn't be crazy, right? If those were the top five teams, wouldn't be crazy. I don't think it's a lock. It's not a yeah, right. That's a good way to put it. It wouldn't be insanity if that happened, but it's not a lock. It's for it's not for certain. Uh, Floyd Central senior, she's having a great season. Jaden Serencioni, seventeen forty nine. Carmel Junior, Jasmine Kopstead, also under eighteen minutes, just barely. And she was uh, 1759. So 10 seconds back of Serencioni is 1749. Uh, any kind of overarching thought? I know, uh, yeah. other than the text we sent after the meet. So, uh, like, uh, obviously, on the boys' race, that's closer than I, I thought it would be. I don't know if you were surprised by that or at least pleased by that. But I was thrilled. I was thrilled. I'll, just, yeah. I'll, I'll go that far. I, I was a little worried after the last couple of weeks. Our fifth guy was a little bit farther back, further back than, well, further, I guess it's further further being the team scores and then farther being an actual distance of, of Columbus North's fifth guy. 
Um, yeah. But just based on where our team was, a couple of guys being sick this week, I was I was thrilled to kind of be that close in contention. Oh yeah. To what was the number one ranked team on Indiana Runner, and, yeah. and I believe the number one or number two ranked team right now on INCC stats after this current week. Yeah, I think they're right there, and we'll get into that more a little after the break, I think here. But um, my big takeaway is Carmel beating Columbus North on the girls' side. Um, not super surprising, but a little surprising. You know, I know uh, Columbus North's top runner was a little off today. I mean, she, I think Keith was probably more like a, a top five or top seven or eight in the state meet. And she was, uh, I don't know if she was third or fourth for her team today. I don't remember exactly where, but um, I think that made a little bit of a team difference. And obviously, I think, I think those are the top two girls' teams. Um, I, I would still say Columbus North girls maybe are just like the slightest margin better than Carmel. Um, but I don't want that to sound like any kind of sour grapes because Carmel girls took, took care of business today for sure. So Scott Lidskin theory, Carmel girls beat Columbus North girls. They ran on the same course. Got it, right? Check. Yeah. Carmel girls, number one next week yes. on Indiana Runner. Clearly. Yeah. I think they should be. Okay, so I'm willing to go. I'm willing to be, I don't want to say fair and balanced because there was a certain news company that uh, chose that moniker. And, and Sorry, take it. Well. Yeah. Okay. So, but I'm, I'm willing to be fair. I want, with the caveat that I want Carmel to win the state meet. So like, whatever, get at me. I want Carmel to win the state meet. We run the podcast. It's to- totally fine. Go ahead. I don't there. think anybody dislikes Carmel. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, 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 Everybody loves Carmel around the whole state. It's crazy. I just, we that's go all, to the meets. Yeah. There's fanfare. There's confetti. It's nuts. Uh, if we lose, everybody's sad. There's tears. It's crazy. I know. But, they're like, whoa, I baked on that. Oh, no way. Um, <laughs> I want Carmel to win. I teach at Carmel. My friend is the coach. And my niece, my slash cousin, my cousin's kid is on the team. One of the top runners. I want Carmel to win. Last week, I kind of made the case for Carmel. I, I'm willing to go the other way right now in the interest of fairness, which is the Columbus North girls didn't run as well as they ran the last week. So if, if we take the, I'm going to pull it up right now on my phone. If well, hold, we on, take, hold on, hold on. Yeah, it's, hey, it's your we website, baby. Thing? Are we talking about who should be ranked number one or who do we still think is most likely to win state? Because those aren't necessarily the same thing. Exactly. So if we're talking, who's the most likely to win the state meet? Last I, week, I, I called it dead even. Okay. Okay. So, and this week, I'm still calling it dead even. Carmel's going to be ranked number one because the two teams ran against each other today. Yeah. Carmel won. Yeah. And now if some of the girls from Columbus North were taking the ACT or they had a bad Fazoli's and they didn't run, then sure. It's, it's going to be potentially adjusted rating. It's going to be Columbus North number one again, but that didn't happen. So if you take INCC stats rating Columbus North last week, 74 Carmel this week, 84. There's a yeah. bit of a gap between those two, but I'm still I'm still going dead even for this reason. Carmel's got a girl that is clearly coming back that didn't run great the first race back at the Hamilton County or the second race back, which was this week, but she was 20th at the state meet. So there's enough upside there for me to call yeah. it dead even when the teams perform at optimal levels. Well, I think that's huge too, because like you look at the race today, Carmel girls they they won one through three like that was where they put the biggest gap in between them and Columbus North. So if what you're saying is Carmel's got a girl that's gonna that wasn't competing today that's gonna be back and probably somewhere in that four or five spot, then I think I think you're saying what you're saying is correct that 
maybe then Carmel is the slider, slightest favorite. Um, but I also, here, here's a thought, Collins. So, and I, I, I have no, I don't work for Carmel. I don't, I've never lived in Carmel. Um, I've only heard of people that, that go there. Um, like, I, so I don't have any kind of bias here. Feel, right? free to, feel free to move down, though. There's a couple of houses next to the well, school that are for sale. Okay, well that's that'd be that'd be a long commute to my current job, but um, so so let's let's say you know things of your logic. Well, on the flip side, okay, so so the devil's advocate argument here would be Columbus North has put up the single best performance of the race of the season with their race last weekend at the Weinheimer Classic, right? So right. when you're trying to say who is most likely to win the state meet, one of the big data points I'm going to look at is. Well, I'm gonna look at consistency throughout the season. I'm gonna look at how are they racing most recently in October, but I'm also gonna look at what was what was their best flash of brilliance. And I'm gonna say, okay, they, we know they can do that because they've done that. They've proved they can do that. If they replicate that, like if Columbus North girls ran today like they did last week, they would have won over Carmel today. Correct. I mean, that's what that's what the stats say, right? That's, that's what I already said before. I knew the INCC's update. So. Um, I'm glad again that the, that the, your that your favorite website in the world is is confirming second, what, second, what some of us can see with our own eyes. And I I, I got another beloved for ICC stats that whoever that the anonymous statistician is. Second um, favorite site, Indiana Runner number one, INCC stats number two. Okay, so INCC stats doesn't pay you as much. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, so but I I, I think that's, I think it's. Maybe dead even is the best way to call it because you can make a really strong case for either one. You're saying you think Carmel by a slight margin. I'm saying I think Columbus North by a slight margin. And I, I mean, but, Car- but this week Carmel should be ranked number one because they they, they will be. I mean, I, will. I'll, I'll I'll get it. I'll get it popping. You know, after this or early in the morning before the game tomorrow, should be 90 in Indy. But got my Carson Wentz jersey. We're going. Um, yeah, that seems fair. And again, like I said, I, I, I'm happy to acknowledge that I, in some ways I'm biased, right? I mean, I, I teach at Carmel. One of my best friends is the girls coach. We talk all the time. Like I, my, my relative is on the team and one of the best girls on the team. Like I want Carmel to win, but I, I, I do want to say on the podcast, cause I know both of these coaches listen to it. Like coach Weinheimer retired, what, four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. And it, it, I am a former Columbus North assistant coach. I didn't go to Columbus North. I never taught there. I was never paid anything by the school district, but I'm a former Columbus North assistant. And it thrills me like hundred percent serious. It thrills me to no end that after, after coach Weinheimer, after Rick Weinheimer retired, that the teams are this competitive and that they're this good and that they're carrying on the legacy of the Columbus North teams. That, that means, that means a lot to me as a, as a former Rick Weinheimer assistant coach. And it also means a lot to me that our teams at, at, for the Carmel boys are able to carry that on as well in terms of how we train, but it, it means a lot to me that they are this competitive and that they're this good. Yeah. Well, also simultaneously kind of being annoying that they're this good <laughs> and they're right there with us on the boys side and the girls side. Um, but that, that, like I said, that I just, I'm, I'm really proud of what they were, they are able to accomplish proud from a distance. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about our teams of the week. I think Chittard girls, uh, dominating that all, all Catholic girls meet, 
and that's our girls team of the week and maybe the best team in the Northwest semi-state, the LaPorte boys. Those are our teams of the week. What do you think? Yeah, I didn't know that was on the agenda, but that sounds fine. Yeah, peek behind the curtain. I added in later on. So, all right. Congratulations, Chittard girls, LaPorte boys. Let's take a break. All right, we're back. Just a couple overall questions with uh, Dr. Derek Leininger. Not that kind of doctor, but uh, nonetheless, he's got his, it's a PhD, right? That's correct. You got it. So, whoo, it's uh, a lot of people say to me, oh, wow, such an exciting year. And I tell them, you know what's exciting to me when my team dominates overall and there's not a lot of other good teams. So not an exciting year for me, but maybe for the rest of the state, top five boys teams. What are you thinking right now? Who's your number one team, Derek? State meet right now. Let's say state meets on uh, Wednesday next week. Okay, so, so we if the state meet is is Wednesday of this coming week, I've got HSE boys by by probably a single digit number over Columbus North. So when when you look at the two teams, they're very similar. Um, they both have four seniors and a junior in their top five. At least they did in some of the recent results. Columbus North has a stronger number one, but Satterfield is so good. I think he's still going to be somewhere in that top five to 10 range. So even if like, you know, Reese is third and Satterfield is sixth, that really is not going to decide it unless it's, unless it's a two point team race. Um, so Columbus North definitely has a better one, but, but even if it's a 20, 30 second margin, it won't, and I don't think it actually will be that much, but if it were, that still wouldn't be very many points in terms of the team race. So looking at like HSC today, like they were so good through four guys. And I, I do uh, the weekly semi-state rankings for New Haven. So uh, um, anybody out there, I just revealed myself. If you're like, I doing the New Haven rankings is off his, off his rocker, you may be right. I may be crazy. Um, but I think, I think. You're not crazy. You're a doctor. <laughs> I was, that was actually Billy Joel. It might be a lunatic you're looking for, but I don't know if our entire audience would catch that. So, um, but like HSC through four, I think they're, I think that's where they're key. Like, their three, four guys are so good. I mean, that, that front group of four seniors are so good. I think they would just have the slightest of margins over Columbus North. And then I'm thinking, so those, those are kind of my 1A, do you, 1C. Do you, one. do you subscribe to the Scott Lidskin theory that great fourth guys win state meets? I didn't, I didn't, I'm not sure I've ever heard him say that, but uh, I usually do agree with Scott when he says smart things. And that sounds smart. So, so yeah. Okay, so, yes. So, yeah. so yes. Long story short. Thank you. Scott, I'm with you on that one. Um, and and then like so after those two, so HSC and Columbus North, right now, and and uh, I got nothing but love for Coach Coach Fisher. Right now, I think HSC is like just a tick better, although Columbus North is right there. But then I think then that next the next three are pretty interchangeable, and you proved today, obviously with your boys that it's not that much of a gap back. So I think Center Grove, obviously, we looked at them dominant today. Um, they've been really good over the past few seasons. Um, your boys ran really well today. You only Shout only out. The guy. Shout outs. You know, give Carmel some love for, for a change. Um, and then well, Fisher's – Wait, 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 wait. I thought you said everyone loved Carmel. Oh, yeah, that was that was sarcastic earlier. Wait, what? I, Everybody doesn't I love Carmel? Started to break the bubble. Some people don't like Carmel. Wait, um, seriously? That's true. I talked to three dudes and they all love Carmel. You, Rick Weinheimer, and Taylor Marshall. You guys. Okay. I think, I think it's only partially your fault because I think it was existing before you. I, although it might have gotten stronger since you took over. I don't know. 
<laughs> so, but then, so you and Car- you and Center Grove, and then I, I think Fishers is right there too. And obviously, Fishers is the team that you you and Fishers were right together there. They beat you by one at Hamilton County. Is that was that correct? Correct. So they were. I mean, you guys are right there. They had a really good race over in uh, Mason, Ohio today. They raced over there. Um, I think those are your top five. So HSE, Columbus North, Center Grove, Carmel, Fishers. That's where I would rank them right now. If you were looking at Derek's top five. What do you think about Burbuff? Well, see, they got to get guys back. So obviously they were, I was really high on them early, you know, like think about the summer rankings and look, their potential is still way up there, but it's, it's hard. I mean, it's kind of hard to project until they get those guys back into the, into action. I mean, their, their, their biggest struggle is that they don't have enough, enough depth to really be able to afford, you know, two guys being out. So obviously if they come back and they're healthy, then yeah, they're right in the mix. But I'm saying like your question was, if the state meet is next Wednesday, then I'm saying given that scenario, here's my top five. This isn't necessarily what I would project to be on the podium, you know, seven weeks from now. Right. I'm just saying if Wednesday's a state meet, that's my top five. So spit them out one through five. What do you got? HSE, Columbus North, Center Grove, Carmel, Fishers. So you're in a unique position here because, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but the two coaches, the two active coaches you're closest to in the state coach at Angola and Carmel. Closest, yes, in terms of my relationship and friendship, yes. Yes, personal connections. Not not geography. Yes, correct, correct. So (laughs) two guys that were groomsmen in your wedding, right? Yes. So – Wow. Shout out. We, this podcast is all about here are the connections between us and essentially the top two, the top two individuals on INCC stats as of right now, their coaches were groomsmen in your wedding. That's interesting. You're, you're welcome. How? Uh, yeah. Thanks. I guess. Um, how, <laughs> how do you handicap the boys individual race? So I, you know, you and I talked about this, Earlier today, I, I think Sturry is the favorite until somebody beats him on grass. I mean, he's he's raced everybody last season that returns this season that's going to be in the mix. So, um, I, I mean, I think I think he's I think he's still the number one runner. He's not been beat. Um, I I won't give information, but like I I know the workouts he's doing and he's he's really fit. Like kind of pretty really impressive performances he's been putting down in practices. So. You know, I, I kind of have that inside information in terms of, you know, I know his coach really well. Um, obviously, Cole and Reese are awesome. I mean, they're those two are are absolute studs. And Krishna's running really well. He wasn't, he was only a few seconds back from uh, Sturry last week at Marion. Um, but if you're saying who 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 am I picking or who am I ranking, I, I think it's Sturry until somebody beats him. I, I think it's, there's, his performances are not, have not gone down and he has not been beat. So I don't know how you would say, oh, so-and-so is now the favorite. That's, that's just my take. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. That seems pretty reasonable. Girls' side, I mean, we talked about the kind of the top two girls' teams. Yeah. You get a pretty fair analysis. Individually, it feels like ooh, at least one girl way ahead of the field, right? Any, anything yeah. else you're looking at individually? No, and I see, I think, I think if Cridge would have run the tournament last year, she would have – won by a sizable margin last year. I think she was clearly the best runner in Indiana. And obviously she didn't, you know, continue through the tournament, but um, 
I mean, I, I think she's been the best distance runner in Indiana for the past year and a half by not, and it's really not been that close. Seems about right. So we are about five years away from your book Enduring Wisdom being released. And it seemed to me that the, you know, there was no uh, outright, like, this is my thesis statement, but the overall theme of the book was essentially enduring wisdom, right? Like we're losing, potentially we're losing all of these uh, great coaches, these great career coaches that have done it for a long, long time that are in the book. And I think that potentially there's only one coach still active that was in your book, right? Three. One being me, one being Charlie Worthen. Who's the other one? No, Charlie was not in the book. Um, so you, Brad Peterson, and Tim Ray up at Chesterton. Where does Tim coach now? Chesterton, boys. Oh, the boys. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the girls. He's never the girls coach. So what? we're five years now removed from that. The general idea of your book was that we may be meeting the end of the long-term career coach. And certainly your prognostication on that seems to be correct. So what are your thoughts five years after releasing that, that book? Well, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt that people have filled those gaps. Now, whether or not coaches are going to, you know, be 30 year coaches, like, like the previous generation, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously you can't, you won't know that until 30 years later, right? That's kind of something you can't guarantee. Um, but in terms of like the quality of coaching, I don't think there's any doubt that coaches have stepped up and, and, and filled the gaps. And I'm going to, I'm going to say some names, but I'm sure I'm at least people out. I don't intend to insult anyone, but like, like look at what Danny Fisher's done and Rick Sluter have done at Columbus North, like Rick Weinheimer, who is, if I had to make a Mount Rushmore of Indiana cross country coaches, Rick Weinheimer's on it. Like he, he is, he was that good, in my opinion. In the and George I really, Washington spot. Well, he, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to give exact positions, but, like, there's I four was. faces. Weinheimer's face is on there, okay? Yeah. So, because you talked about this earlier, like, the Columbus North is – and you had some affiliation, obviously, with it, being assistant coach there. So, at other programs, when those legends, when those, like, 30-year legends who have just, by the – by the by their own personality and 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 will have made a team program elite year in and year out sometimes when those guys when those men or women leave it's only a few years and you're like oh even if i didn't know they'd retired i know where they retired based on looking at the results right like you know something has changed significantly in such and such program because they're not even qualifying for the state finals and they used to be a perennial podium team um when you look at Columbus North, so Weinheimer has been the only coach they've had for a, a long time, you know, 30, he, 30 some years. I don't know the he, exact. He was the only girls coach. Right? Okay. So girls coach country was 1980, right. 1981. So he was the only one. So he started the girls program and he coached the boys program for a long time as well. So when he leaves and four or five years later, you've still got Columbus North girls and boys competing for state championships. I mean, that's awesome. So like, like, you know, Fisher and Sluter are great examples of people stepped stepped in and filled those gaps. Um, you know, I, I think I think what you're doing at Carmel, obviously you were in the book, but like you're still one of the one of the young coaches in the game. I think what you what you and Taylor Marshall do are doing at Carmel as as relatively young coaches is pretty awesome. Um, I so I, I don't think 
you know, it's interesting. Only three of those coaches in the book are are still coaching. Um, but I mean, the, those their programs that are still just rocking. So I don't I don't think is anything. I'm not in, in any way pessimistic about the landscape of coaching because I think people have stepped up and and filled the gaps and figured out what it looks like to be an elite coach. Like think about you you just said like your boys team is really good, and in some years you'd be good enough to be like the clear favorite, right? With as good as you guys are this year. But you're looking at more like, eh, we'll probably be on the podium, but it's going to be really hard to win. Um, we're probably realistically somewhere in that three, four range, five range. I mean, that's just evidence that there's enough really good coaches that have raised the programs that a good Carmel team is no longer, you know, like the front runner, you know? And I, I don't, And I don't mean any offense to you, but like, that's just... That's awesome that we have that kind of depth. Well, and that's – so let's get into the nitty-gritty of this, right? So our rating today at the, the Brown County meet, we're talking about just kind of quick release of the INCC stats, is 120. We haven't had a rating of 120 for quite a while. I mean, like years, like multiple years, maybe four years. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it's, it's realistic to rate the Carmel boys as – third, fourth, fifth right now in the state. Would, do you have any hypotheses as to why, given the, the general state of education, the, 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 the pandemic, COVID, all of that, as to why are we seeing historically great year right now on the boys' side? Is it random? Is, it, is there something about time away from structure? What do you think? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure I have any great theory on that. I think I think the programs that um, emphasize endurance, oxygen delivery type of training. Shout out. Shout out Columbus North Carmel type of training. Okay. Um, you know, that's, that's all Weinheimer. That's again, that's why Rick Weinheimer is on the mountain, Colin. Shout okay. Out. Shout out. So those types of programs, when you think about like, we didn't have track season, and we essentially anybody who was running didn't have a track doing... season a year, a year ago. We had one. Correct. Last year. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the spring of 20. Um, when we didn't have that track season, the individuals and the teams who know how to put in that kind of like base training, for lack of better, lack of better phrase, I think they got significantly better. And it's, it'd be an interesting study. Okay, so like, let's think if you had. And I know some programs have done something like this. Let's say you had, you know, 10 freshman boys on your team. And in track, none of them are really going to be good enough to be like a varsity four by eight or varsity, you know, tournament runner. What if you just had them do base, like cross country style training all spring? You ran them in the mile, two mile, that sort of thing. But essentially, you're just saying, hey, we're going to just keep getting better because your first shot to really perform at the state meet is probably going to be your sophomore cross country season. In that scenario, I would theorize that that kid is going to be a better sophomore cross-country runner than if you would tailor their training in the spring to like a mid-distance event. And, and I don't even like saying that, Colin, because I love four by eights. And I, I think I was probably the opposite. I think we probably sacrificed some, we left something on the table in cross-country because we wanted to be so good at the four by eight in some of the years I coached at Snyder. Um, but I think I think the opposite, when everything kind of shut down during COVID, I think those types of programs got the, the gap widened between those types of programs 
because they had an extra four months of cross-country training essentially from from March to to June that year in terms of just just doing base training and getting ready for cross-country that's just, that's one part I'm sure there's more to it that's not any that's not some like all-encompassing theory I think that's just I think that's an observation on my part do you what do you make then of I mean you're saying that essentially the 25 the 30 the 40 year coaches the career coaches guys that start when they're 22 23 and stop when they're 60 or 62 those seem to be non-existent anymore i mean what do you think uh, of that and you're an administrator know. right and you stop you coach I, from 20 to 30 32 right i mean yeah what do, what I coach, do you make of that yeah i coached 13 years and i think during my first nine or 10 years, I thought I'm going to do this for 35 years until I retire. Like I, I thought that was going to be me. Um, I don't want to, like, I don't want to project my experience to everybody else's, but I think at, at a certain point, I, we had a lot of success in coaching. We had a lot of fun with coaching. I mean, th that's the part I still miss is the relationships we had with some of our athletes that we still keep in contact with. I mean, that's really cool. Like, you know, some of the, some of the, girls and boys that we've coached that we get to see now grow up and get married and, and start their own families and have kids. And I mean, that's pretty awesome to like still be connected to those, to those, uh, you know, people as adults now. Um, but it's, it's also really hard to be a great teacher and a great coach and to be, you know, committed to your family. And if you're involved in a church, I mean, there's just, there's so many things that pull at your time that I, for, for us, it was just kind of weighing priorities. And at a certain point we're like, I think it was time for a change. I don't know if that's true for everybody. I think teaching is a lot different than it was 30 years ago. Um, I think it's more rigorous to be a teacher now. And I, I'm speaking kind of, you know, projecting some to the history that I didn't experience because I didn't start teaching until 07. But like, I, I know the experience I had as a student and it's different than I think what is expected of teachers now. And that, I don't think that's unique to, to our community. I think that's statewide. I mean, I think things have just changed so I, I don't know. I think it's hard to be a teacher and coach and have a family and and have a life. I, I think some people at a certain point, you know, reprioritize, and that's where I think coaching is probably the first thing to to get knocked out of that equation. Do you think it's harder in 2021 than it was in 1991? I mean, you could you could ask somebody who did both. Like, ask Weinheimer did did it change in his you know was was the last 10 years of his teaching career was that different than the middle 10 or the first 10? I mean, like, I, I feel like I'm unqualified to answer that, but I, I would, I would guess it's, I would guess it's different. The veteran teachers that I worked with have said that teaching is so much different than it was when they, when they were young teachers. I don't know if you can attribute that to just, you know, I think everybody's perspective of things change over time, but I don't think that they're, they're not, I think they're true. I think that's a, a good point. They're not, they're not just making up their own, you know, experience there. Sure. Hey, the most exciting season potentially in the history of Indiana cross country, unless you want one particular team to win, in which case it's the most nerve wracking season in the history of Indiana cross country. Any, uh, any final thoughts? I do. I have one final thought, Colin. Okay. Can't so I've been, you. I've been pretty busy this fall, so I haven't listened to all the podcasts, but I oh, did. Gosh. I'm already I did. nervous. I did hear that you had my name in your mouth in one of the podcasts. This was—is this when I called you the slowest all-state runner 
in the history of Indiana cross country because you can't argue with that. It is you, factually you can't. You can't. This is this is a statistic you have made up. This is not true. Okay, so okay. I've got. I swear, Derek, if you go back to like 1945 or something, like. <laughs> okay, so I've only got two minutes, and so my computer's going to turn off here. Okay. Um, oh, wow! Can't wait. It's 10, 10 It's bedtime. Okay. So, but I want I want to clarify because two minutes. I don't even need two minutes for me to finish the race. Okay, because I was I was a one fifty seven guy. All right. So you were saying how you're you were the fastest tenth place relay team. Relay, and I was the slowest guy on the relay. So okay, I, I do best loser ever. Okay, so you were like that's like that's like a second level. By the way, um, shout out because you were the coach that year. That's true. So I don't I don't really know how to respond to that because yeah. I guess I'm in there with you, but. Yeah. I just, I just want people to know that I didn't run 210 and medal like you have suggested in the past, okay? It was a that legit was not on the podcast. 157 mid. Sure, sure, yeah, 157 mid, which would, like, maybe get you out of the sectional now. Which is, still, which is still the best time in the history of Whitley County, so <laughs> I, I, just, I, just, I just want to clarify that, set the record straight. Shout out, Columbia City, Derek Leininger, still got the, the uh, school record. And the county record, apparently. Other, 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 other. Yeah, there's Whitco. What else is there? In sure, Musco. Yeah. I, I don't know. For sure, I feel confident. Sure, sure. Hey, man, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you later when you got a little more time. I know the doctors are busy this time of year, so. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Colin. Talk yeah, to you later. Make a good time. All right. Bye, Ben. See ya.